0: Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls.
2: Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit.
1: Did you hear that, Charity? No voicemail. No, not at all.
2: I'm sad. But it's... It's the holiday season. We're in holiday season right now.
1: We're in prime Christmas time, baby.
2: Guys, call and leave us a jingle or something.
1: Joshing through the snow.
2: Even if you've already called, call again.
1: In a one-horse open sleigh. Just
2: any chance to sing. You should
1: should go caroling. Do
2: you want to go caroling?
1: That involves walking.
2: Oh, you could put your inline skates on.
1: Your blades. No, I should give those to somebody for Christmas. I'll drag you around. Oh
2: my God, that would be so funny. I could drag you around on those.
1: Yeah, yeah. I couldn't even stand up straight on them. Oh. I actually, you're going to laugh. <laughs> One of my friend's boyfriends went ice skating for the first time. Oh, in no. 20 years the other day. Guess where he is?
2: In the hospital.
1: He's having surgery on his ankle.
2: <gasps> he broke his ankle. Oh, that's very
1: badly, sad. too. Oh. Um, I've been watching the progress online. I was yeah. like, yeah, see, I gave up before I got to this level. Yeah. I hit hard, too. So if I hit hard and didn't break anything, he hit harder.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Wait, how'd that go? <clears throat> oh, I love it. But we're in Christmas time. We have a lot to be thankful. Yes, we do. We have all of our lovely listeners who we love. And we love. Become part of our family. Yes. Um, This is... Probably my second favorite time of year, What's right th- behind Halloween area. Oh
2: yeah, Halloween's good too.
1: Halloween's—I just you can't be beat. Yeah, but Christmas, I—I I hate snow, but
2: I like the snow.
1: Oh, I, I'll tell you something funny. We were sitting here the other day. We had nothing going on. We had just got back from New York, and Kristen looks at me and said, "Do you know what would make this day better? Being snowed in." We could like cuddle up I and watch that. movies, and That's I was the like,
0: "Best."
1: That should have been my response. Oh no! What'd you say? I was like, "Ew!" I couldn't think of anything worse. <gasps> it's than the that.
2: best. Oh my god! You make she all kinds me of and yummy she said, food.
1: You don't want to be cuddled up with me, yeah. Watching TV. I was like, "So." Yeah, but not the snow part. Well, no,
2: this time of year, you always have to in this area. I haven't of, got
1: my snowblower running you yet. You
2: have to always have things in your cabinets that you can cook. You always have cookie makings. You always have pancake makings. You always have hot chocolate. You have to be ready to get snowed in.
1: Yes, yes. We would order delivery. There's not a lot of those what, makings they going may, on what in the
2: house. What if it's a, a, a big enough storm that delivery won't even come?
1: It's so funny because stock up, Mark. we were sitting here the other day because <laughs> back during Thanksgiving time, we knew we were going to New York. We knew we were going to be gone for, you know, three or four days. So we didn't really go shopping. Right. So you having teenage boys will probably be really simpatico with me on this one. Hmm. So her kid walks in the kitchen, opens a closet, little pantry, little thing and goes, huh.
2: There's nothing to eat.
1: Closes, opens the freezer. closes opens the fridge does the same thing goes back to the cupboard does the same thing and he's like we have zero to eat in this house (laughs) and kristen's like no we have zero to eat in this house that you want there's plenty of stuff to eat he's like i am now forced to eat mark's chips because like (gasps) mine aren't here so now i have to eat his And grabbed my pack of chips and took off down the hallway. I'm like, no. What are you doing, you little shit? Those are mine. See, you
2: have to have things that are non perishable that are in there that are good. You can make at a moment's notice.
1: I have stuff for my air fryer.
2: Well, that's always good.
1: I love my air fryer. Yeah. I love all that kind of stuff that goes in it. Now we play the game of can I air fry this? Oh, yeah. Like, I air fry You can make, like, cookies and stuff in there. Well, I have that new one, that big one. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing. Like, I can. Stick this little metal rod in it. That's what she said. I can't I, I can't that.
2: reach it. <laughs> it's told. over there.
1: I can stick this little metal rod. I can't it. Like i
2: it for you. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: And then I could basically hit a button on my thing and say, I want this done medium. And it cooks it perfectly. Oh. It's amazing. We've Love done that, that all of one time.
2: You should do that more often.
1: No, now we just heat pizza up in it. Uh, Kristen's a pizza head. So. That
2: works. That works too.
1: We do, uh, on Monday nights, I do I do a racing show, and one of the guys on the show always brings pizza. So I, I bring home two large pizzas every single time when I come home, and she, she waits, and she gets all excited, and she's like, oh, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm showing up to that show. You're more than welcome to. You know where I tape it.
2: I'm just going to walk in, <laughs> and I just need some gear. I need, like, a T-shirt and a hat that matches. No, you just
1: walk up. No, right. Nobody pays attention. I'll
2: just sit down and just join yeah. the
1: program. It's open to the public, so... You're more than welcome to. <laughs> We're, we might be moving that studio soon, but like until then, all right, what ifs. But you know, Christmas time of year, I want to know from all of your creeps what are your favorite times of year? Yeah, like I, I, I don't feel like I know enough about you. I know. I want to know more.
2: Share creeps. Share with us.
1: Share with us. What What is your favorite holiday? What are you looking for for this Christmas? What would make you happy? What What are your dreams and aspirations?
2: Asp- Mark's using big words today.
1: I looked at a thesaurus earlier. A
2: thesaurus.
1: There's something in life that I thought I would have got a lot more use out of. I was like, this thing is handy. Oh, a thesaurus? Yes. I remember yeah. buying one in the school store.
2: Yeah, but now you can just look stuff up.
1: Yeah, and I have a phone. Yeah. And it tells me when I spell stuff wrong. Yeah. It tells me who everybody's phone number is. Mm-hmm. If I, I actually, this is so funny. In all the years that I used to deliver fuel, um, I delivered in the hood, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a, at any given point, there was probably like forty to $50,000 worth of fuel on my truck. Like, in, in the bigger cities, they've had trucks stolen. Right. And people have been held up when they leave and they're, they're full and stuff like that. So this does happen. So I used to think, and I never used to keep my phone on me. I used to keep it in the truck. Like, if somebody kicked the crap out of me and stole my truck... I wouldn't even know how to call my girlfriend. Yeah, because you have all the numbers. I don't know her phone number. I know. I don't know my child's phone
2: number. Yeah, you should probably memorize at least those two.
1: That, I know nothing. I think you, you should.
2: Yes. I have I have certain numbers that I have memorized.
1: I have a home phone. Oh, see, we don't have a home phone. None of us know what the number is. When it rings, we like look at each other and forget we have a home phone. We're like, what is that noise? And I'm Do like, you answer oh, that's right. Number? Sometimes. Oh. I, 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 it came with the stupid internet. Like, if oh. I don't have the home phone, it's more expensive. Oh. So, like, it came with the internet and the, the TV that they ridiculously charge me for every single month. Yep. Oh, and they just sent me a letter. It's going up. Of course
2: it is. Everything's
1: going up. It's like $260 a month Yikes. for stupid cable and internet. It's crazy. That's what I'm not thankful for this year. Oh. Gosh darn it. What are you thankful for? Bad Santas. Oh, let's roll right into it, because I love those.
2: <laughs> These are just some some nasty little criminals around.
1: I have to ask, have you seen that movie? I have. Oh, it's so good.
2: I have seen that movie. All right, let's just get into it. In 2006 in South Carolina, a man decked out in a full Santa suit was riding a motorcycle. Cute, right? Yeah. Just a dude driving around, spending joy, you know, during the jolly season. The motorbike Santa pulled into a gas station and spotted a family getting gas. He said hello to the family and asked the children if they wanted to see his stuffed reindeer in his sidecar.
1: That's what she said.
2: Yeah. The children, of course, wanted to see Santa's stuffed reindeer. So they walked over to the bike. As soon as the children got close enough to the Santa, the bad Santa, grabbed the eight-year-old girl and zoomed off. Uh Uh-oh. So one of the children was eight, an eight-year-old little girl snabbed her the father of the family acted quickly and jumped into his car speeding after the man determined to get his little girl back thank goodness he did just just that and caught the motorbike santa And all was right
1: i would have kicked the s out of that santa yeah
2: what a bad nasty santa we don't like him he's in nope. jail now
1: anyway so it doesn't good matter. yep sure um you big meanie! Remember when that was like the your all time.
2: Yeah, you're it's meanie. A, you're big meanie. You're wicked mean. You're a meanie.
1: Ugh, meanie, so, meanie, so meanie. Mean. Yeah. Charity's mean.
2: I'm not mean. What?
1: Wait, what? what? Was that out loud,
2: guys? He said that out loud. I didn't mean to. Yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes people say things they mean. Anyways, one of the holiday characters, almost just as jolly as Santa, is Frosty the Snowman. Frosty.
1: You the snow. Here he it My favorite cartoon. Yep. yep. I missed it this year.
2: Yeah, it appears Frosty was not so admired by two teenagers in Collarine Township, Ohio. One of the neighbors in the area had a 12-foot-tall blow-up Frosty in their front yard. The teenagers were somehow enraged by Frosty and decided to kill him. I'd be so mad. Stabbing him with knives, Mark. Unfortunately for them, the entire assault was recorded on the residents' home cameras. The murderous duo was, duo was identified and arrested right away, keeping all other Frosties safe for the season.
1: I had a blow up Frosty when I was younger. Did
2: somebody murder it?
1: Nope. nope. Oh, good. Nope. It, all the snow fell off the top of my house and crushed it.
2: <laughs> so my six foot tall buddy, the elf, blow up that goes at my front lawn. I forgot about that. Yeah. I, I'm hoping he's okay. I'm hoping he has no holes in him. Haven't
1: put him up Whoa, yet. us. That took a, that took a, a weird turn. <laughs> it's so funny we're I actually, hope no one poked him before. we were driving by your street the other day and Kristen's like we should stop and say hi to Charity I looked at her and I was like why <gasps> <laughs> and she's like you're so effing mean
2: <laughs> what that's mean like, I
1: just wanted to say hi
2: because I, I don't wanted- get to see her as much now
1: okay we had just went through drive through and I wanted to get home and eat my food
2: hmm. see it's food it, it, Trump's seeing me guys And you were
1: seeing her the next day anyways. Whatever.
2: (laughs) I'm moving on. A robber in Seattle thought of a genius idea to help him get away with robbing homes undetected. It was around the holidays, so he thought if he dressed as Santa and entered the homes through the chimneys, no one would be alarmed if they were home because it would just be Santa coming down the chimney, Mark. Nobody would think that was weird at all.
1: Nope. Not one bit.
2: Who would fear Santa coming down their chimney? Not me. He put his plan into action, not taking into consideration that he may not fit down the chimney. You see, the wannabe Santa got stuck halfway down and began to panic. The fire department had to be called to get him loose. When asked what he was doing in the chimney, the man said he had dropped his backpack down accidentally and went in to grab it. Hmm. Clearly, his stupid story wasn't believed, and he was arrested for attempted robbery and sentenced to 17 months in jail. Guess he wasn't such a smart robber after all.
1: Nope, not at all.
2: Like, you got to think a better story through. Like, if you're planning to hop down a chimney, okay, because there's many more questions that come after, oh, my backpack fell down there. Okay, why were you on the roof?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of questions.
2: Right? Why did you have a backpack, and why?
1: I'd be like, you know Dasher? Yeah, and dancer, <laughs> exactly. and prancer, and vixen, comet, and cupid, and exactly. donner, and vixen. oh, this one's real good. Anything I can do to get my little nursery rhymes into the yeah, little Christmas so. songs?
2: Um, on January fifth, two thousand fifteen, a man named Randy Lang walked into his local California Wing restaurant, claiming to be Santa Claus. He was holding a huge duffel bag and told patrons he had left over Christmas presents that they were sure to enjoy. Oh boy. Randy frolicked around the establishment
1: handing out generous What amounts. is frolicking?
2: It's like this. And like okay. I feel like you like throw things or you skip. I feel
1: bad that the audience can't see or you. you skip? You, you doing that?
2: Do you have a skip?
1: No. Why? Never once in my life.
2: It's, it's fun to skip. I do it sometimes when I'm walking.
1: I'm going to skip down the hallway later then.
2: Do it when Kristen's here. Just skip by her and see what she says. She'll be like, you were hanging out with Charity.
1: Just kidding. She already looks at me like, maybe this lifestyle was a mistake with you. No,
2: she doesn't. Because <laughs> no, I do you, lots of weird ass. She loves your weird ass stuff. Okay. So as Randy was frolicking around the establishment, he was handing out generous amounts of, you know, the wacky tabacky. I want to go. He said he had plenty of holiday cheer, boasting that he had over two pounds of weed in his Santa bag. All the bartenders received weed in their tip jars, and the waiters and waitresses were also handed the skunky-smelling gifts of joy. The restaurant workers were not very appreciative of their gifts and were freaked out by this interesting Santa and called the police.
1: That would be the last thing I would do if that was my (laughs) gift. So,
2: when the police arrived, Randy was calm, cool, and collective, He must have indulged in his own Christmas cheer
1: before heading into the restaurant. (laughs) I'm so mad. I I want to find the name of this restaurant and call and yell at them.
2: Sergeant Nick Borges was one of the first officers to arrive and said when he asked Randy about his gift giving, he calmly had this to say. I expected to be arrested for doing this at some point. (laughs) This statement leads me to believe this wasn't Randy's first time spreading his kind of joy.
1: <laughs> I always love because you know how when you see like these massive drug busts that happen out like California, you get the, all the guys posing around like, look yep. we got 50 million pounds.
0: Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $129 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
1: There's a fentanyl and this and that. Here in like New England, especially New Hampshire, like you'll, you'll see the pictures on WMUR of like the... Uh, the Hampshire state police canine unit. They're standing with like a dime bag of weed. And they're like, look what we got off the street. Yeah. We got, yeah, we ruined some 12 year olds day. Cause it's not legal in New Hampshire. I think it, nah, I don't really, not know. yet. Nah, I don't pay. I live yeah. in Massachusetts. Yes. Massachusetts is a lot different.
2: Yes, it certainly is.
1: <laughs> in a lot of ways.
2: Yes, it is. We'll just continue on. I have yes. one more. Moving on. <laughs> A man named Elkin Clark was selling Hershey bars in downtown Atlanta
1: on December. Why didn't he sell Clark bars?
2: Oh, because maybe he liked Hershey bars.
1: Oh, they are delicious.
2: So this was on December 10th, 2004. Elkin was dressed as Santa and appeared to be very disgruntled. He was sick of dealing with horrible customers, Mark. Someone heard him saying, she was stealing my stuff. I asked her 15 times not to touch my stuff. The woman that he was talking about was 74 years old, and he said she stole 29 boxes of chocolate bars from him that added up to $145.
1: Just because you're old, Charity, doesn't give you a pass on stealing chocolate.
2: Um, That sounds like quite the talented 74-year-old woman, though.
1: That's a lot of boxes. Yeah. She probably liked it. She probably gives it out to everybody that comes out. Would you like a piece of chocolate, young man? Witnesses
2: said that Elkin appeared to be flipping out for no reason at all towards the elderly woman. There was absolutely no evidence that she had stolen anything. He picked up a two-by-four and hit the poor woman in the back of the
1: head. step too far. Right? Yeah, that's a step too far. Some witnesses
2: tried to help, but the woman was already on the ground, and before they could come to her aid, Elgin
1: struck her two more times. I mean, if he tripped her or something, I'm cool with that.
2: Oh, my God. That's a lot of chocolate
1: bars, but you can't hit her with a piece of wood. She didn't steal
2: them. There's no
1: proof that she did There
2: was no proof that she did, Mark.
1: You're going to take her word over just because she's older? Yes.
2: He was obviously arrested for assault. The elderly woman's body was damaged so severely from the attack that she passed away just a month later
1: great th- now i'm the jerk
2: want to know what this dirtbag tried to do what's that he tried to get his sentence reduced because he claimed the woman only died because she had underlying issues before the attack loser <laughs> what a loser <laughs> what an ass Oh, i love it i hope that bad santa stays in
1: jail that's actually pretty f- that's a good little funny segment you yeah, out there i like bad that santa's
2: one. Uh, there's a lot of them guys I'll try to find some more before the next, before the next
1: episode. Now I'm watching Batter Santa. I, I have to. You it's have been a to. While.
2: I do think you have to. Yep. You know, it's definitely a a good thing.
1: It's tis the season to be not jolly. Yeah, that movie is so funny. Mm-hmm. I don't care if people like it or not. I'm sorry, I do. <laughs> so, what charity do you have for us today?
2: I have a horrible Christmas tragedy to talk about.
1: Oh man, I I remember. I know what you're going to talk about. I was six years old. No, nope. I was living in Wethersfield, Vermont. This is this is a lie, guy. This is no nope, This is not what we're talking about. But go ahead, Mark. I all I wanted for Christmas was Castle Grayskull, which was part of the He-Man universe. Yes, I remember checking every single box when I, I looked at them under the tree, and I was sure one of them was because you know back when you were younger. You would go to the store, and you would remember what the boxes were, and you'd feel the certain spots, so then you'd feel under the tree. I was 100% sure I had Castle Grayskull. And you did not. I did not. It was closed in a box. It was the worst day of my life. That's what we're talking about, right?
2: Yeah, it's exactly what a we're talking about. Christmas tragedy. Yeah. I mean, that is your own Christmas tragedy, I guess.
1: Charity, I am mid 40s and I still am remembering.
2: Clearly, this. you are still, you have PTSD from it,
1: apparently. This is, <laughs> <laughs> this is do you want another Christmas tragedy just because people like markisms? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, this is horrible. My ex wife. So now we don't buy, like, me and Kristen don't get each other gifts for anything. We're, we're adults. We don't care. If I want something, I buy it. I mean, look at my office. Like, that's pretty apparent. Like, yes. Um, <laughs> But back in the day, I remember my ex-wife was like, let's make each other a list. And I was like, this is a great idea because you're a horrible gift giver. So I will make you a list of all the stuff I want. And I was like, I made it. I wanted this video game. I wanted this. I wanted that. And it wasn't a lot of stuff. Wasn't a lot of money. And then in the spot, there was like things I definitely don't want. And I wrote those down. Like, these are things I don't want. And I got all the stuff I didn't want. And I thought maybe she was like pulling a joke on me. She looked at the wrong list? No, no, no. She just thought I needed that stuff. Oh,
2: like underpants?
1: It was just dumb stuff. And I just remember being like, I, and I said to her on Christmas, as I'm opening this up, I'm like, this is a great joke. Like, this is funny.
2: What'd she say? She's
1: like, this is dead. This, this is serious. Like, this is what you got. And I, I remember being like, you're a horrible freaking gift giver. Oh. Like, you're a whore. And she's like, all offended, all mad. I'm like, why did we make lists? Like, I got you everything on your list. Everything that you wanted, and I got nothing.
2: I'm sorry, Mark.
1: I'm gonna send her a firmly worded email and well, complain about it.
2: Why don't you listen? Fifteen
1: to, years later. Why
2: don't you listen to this horrible Christmas tragedy and let it me can't know be, if it not beat mine. If it beats yours, okay?
1: Guys, I want to know who else in your life has horrible gift-giving tendencies. Put them on blast on the Case Watch Breakfast no,
2: stage. No, don't do that.
1: Yes, I. I we get, We need to shame these people. Oh my God. All right, let's hear your tragedy. So
2: this is um, about the Sauter family murders. Okay. Or maybe not murders. Oh, okay. It's an interesting one.
1: Now you have me interested.
2: It was Christmas Eve, 1945, and the Sauter family was happy to celebrate Christmas together. 19-year-old Marion was the eldest daughter and had been working at a store in Fayetteville. She was super excited to surprise her younger siblings, 12-year-old Martha, 8-year-old Jenny, and 5-year-old Betty with toys she had bought with her hard-earned money. So like, it sounds like this was one of her, like, her first kind of real job, and she actually had her own money to buy her siblings some stuff for Christmas. Yep. So she was very excited. You that remember actually, that, right?
1: That is actually one of the best things right? of growing up. Uh, I remember in my school, we had school store, but yes. during Christmas, we had holiday store. Yes. Where they would like, hey, here's this eraser yep. and it's only five bucks, but it's here. You should buy it for your dad. Right. Like, don't you remember those days? Yeah, but
2: you, you you know, you, you did. It was fun.
1: It was a lot of fun. I, I won't lie because I don't think they do that kind of stuff anymore and I kind of miss it.
2: So the younger siblings, oh, Mark just punched something. Don't you mind me,
1: guys. I'm over here he's learning. Don't, I don't know to,
2: what he's doing.
1: I there. was moving my keyboard oh. but, and I accidentally punched myself. Oh, well,
2: <laughs> maybe that was karma.
1: That was karma for, for me complaining about. Horrible gift giving Maybe But you know what, what? I'm going to take that karma And turn it into Carmanade <laughs> I Now this is This is what we're going to do
0: Carmenade. Yes Is that like
2: lemonade
1: Yes but better Oh I want This is This is going to go on Until The end of the month
2: Okay End of December I want to
1: hear And you don't have to put anybody on blast You don't have to give their names In the Case Watch Crime Creep group I want to know the worst gift You were ever given Okay. The worst gift you were ever given. Tell us what it is, and I will pick five people and send them a case watch autograph sticker. All right. So I, I want to hear it. So don't hold back. Don't make stuff up. But that would be that's going to be great. That I want to hear the great. worst gifts you've ever gotten, and the stickers will be coming your way. Okay. Yeah, Carmenade.
2: All right. I like Use that. that. Carmenade. five times. <laughs> the younger children were told they could stay up later, around 10 p.m. That was as long as two of the older boys, 14-year-old Maurice and 9-year-old Louis, made sure they put the cows in to feed the chickens before everyone went off to bed. So clearly they, they worked on the land they lived on and they had animals that needed to be tended to before bedtime. So the mother was like, you know what, as long as your brothers take care of that, you can stay up late because it is Christmas Eve. The oldest boys, 22-year-old John and 16-year-old George Jr. were already fast asleep after a long day of working with their father. So the older boys apparently got up at the crack of dawn with the father and worked the land because they were older, you know. So the mother, Jenny Sauter, brought the baby of the family, two-year-old Sylvia, upstairs after reminding the children of their chores before bed and the two fell asleep together. Jenny was asleep with Sylvia for a few hours when she was awakened by the phone ringing. There was a woman's voice on the other line asking for someone Jenny didn't know. She didn't recognize the woman's voice as anyone she knew. She could hear laughing in the background along with the clinking of glasses. Um. So clearly they would, whoever was on the line was drinking because they were kind of like cheers and whatever. Enjoying Christmas Eve. Yep. Jenny assumed the woman had the wrong number. It clearly sounded like the caller was at a party enjoying some adult beverages. She told the woman she had the wrong number and thought nothing of it. There was no caller ID back in the day, and I'm sure wrong people misdialed phone numbers just like today, right? At oh, least yeah. now we usually can see the number if we wanted to and do or do like a reverse lookup. But, now, you know, back then, there was nothing like things that. Were,
1: things were a different world back then. Exactly.
2: Um, Jenny headed back to bed when she noticed the lights were still on and the curtains were still open. The kids usually made sure all the lights were off and the curtains were closed whenever they stayed up later than their parents. Marion was asleep on the couch and Jenny just figured the kids that stayed up later had already gone to bed upstairs and had just forgotten to close the curtains and shut off the remaining lights. Thinking everyone in the house was now fast asleep, she took care of the curtains and the lights and she herself went back up to sleep with the baby. This family sounds like they were a hardworking family physically working on the land. It was no wonder everyone was tired after a long day, whether it was Christmas Eve or not. Jenny must have been the only light sleeper in the house, as most mothers are, and was the one who woke up. Um, And she once again woke up at 1 a.m. This time, she heard a loud sound. It sounded like something had hit the roof and then rolled down the side of the house. Oh. Right? Kind of weird, but. That's odd. Yeah. Thinking it was just normal outside noises, Jenny again went back to sleep. Just a half hour later, Jenny woke up once again. This time, smelling smoke. She quickly got out of bed and followed the smell to her husband George's office to find it was engulfed in flames. Jenny woke George up immediately and he quickly woke the oldest boys. The couple knew they needed to act quick and get their children out of the house before they were caught in the fire. George and Jenny were able to safely get Marion, Sylvia, John and George Jr. out of the house. The upstairs of the home where the other children slept was already fully flames. Oh my God.
1: That's like oh Mm -hmm. that's the worst feeling. Try
2: as they might to yell for the remaining of their children, they never received any responses. They realized, sadly, it must have been too late and the other children must have been taken by the flames. How sad. I can't even imagine waiting outside watching your house in flames, knowing you can't go back in and save your Oh my God.
1: For anybody that has never been in a fire, like I was a firefighter years and Mm. years and years ago, even in all of our outfit and all of that, it is, you feel the heat. Now imagine not being protected. Oh my God. Luckily, and this sounds horrible to say, luckily, usually you pass away from the smoke Mm -hmm. way before the fire gets to you, but just imagine not being able to breathe. Nope. Fam- it's so horrible charity! I can't oh, it's no. every every parent's worst Worse. nightmare.
2: Yep, the family's phone line had already been destroyed by the fire, so Marion ran to the neighbor's house to call the fire department. George made one last attempt to get to his children that were sleeping in the upstairs attic. He climbed up the side of the house and was able to break one of the attic windows, cutting himself in the process. George and his sons looked frantically for the ladder they had just used earlier that day. It was always left in the same spot, leaning against the house, but it was nowhere in sight and was never found. There was a big barrel full of water that could have been used to help put the flames out, but unfortunately the water was frozen. His very last attempt to rescue his children, George tried to start not one, but two of his work trucks and move them close to the house so that he could climb back on top and get to them. Neither of the trucks would would start, even though they worked just fine earlier that day. So we have the missing the missing ladder that was always left in the same yeah, spot. Something's we have not adding up. the two trucks that worked perfectly fine during the day when they were working that will not start now. So there was more than one suspicious activity that went down. So let's start with the strange phone call and the laughing woman on the other line, right? Yeah. Then the strange sound on the roof accompanied by a rolling noise as well. And the missing ladder, the fact that the perfectly operating work trucks wouldn't start when needed. It sounds like foul play to me, but...
1: Yes, it it does to me, too.
2: The six family members that were able to escape were forced to just watch the home burn to pieces and collapse. I can't imagine. Believing their children and siblings perished inside. The fire department was very slow to respond to the fire. Chief F.J. Morris said the slow response was in part because he couldn't drive the fire truck and had to wait for someone who could. So this sounds like a very small fire department.
1: That should be a requirement of being a fire chief.
2: I would agree. But then again, this is back in the day and it sounds like a very tiny town. So who knows? Right. That is quite irritating though. I mean, yeah. Jenny's brother was in, was in the fire department and was forced to pick through his sister's home, looking for remnants of his nieces and nephews. Oh my God. By mid morning, chief Morris reported to Jenny and George that they couldn't find any bones from the children that would have normally been left behind. This meant the dead children's bodies were not accounted for. Okay, Mm. this is awfully strange. Although, it has been said that back then, the kind of search through a home that had been burnt down by a fire was much less aggressive and thorough than it is now. But still, it's
1: weird. Yeah, this sounds fishy to me.
2: Chief Morris informed the family that it was his belief that the fire was so hot it was able to burn the kids' entire bodies including their bones. Now, you guys you guys know I needed to investigate the whole burning of the body situation, right?
1: <laughs> I know this firsthand because back in the day, my neighbor was murdered and the person who murdered her uh, did it in a fire pit and they Ooh. ended up finding yes. all the bone fragments.
2: Well, so, yeah. So listen, so I got this information from a site called Future Learn and here is what it says. A professor named Tim Thompson has done much research on this subject. He says that no matter how the body is burned, cremated, car fire, house fire, or just set on fire, the actual impact on the body and bones are the same. This impact is referred to as, quote unquote, heat induced changes. Yeah. Professor Thompson notes that the skeleton does not turn to ash upon burning. Not even during, I didn't know this, not even during cremation. The skeleton remains are raked from the cremator and the cremator, cremator and placed in a machine called a Cremulator? Cremulator, this machine grinds down the left of a bones. I didn't it. know that, yeah, Mark. I, assumed. I didn't know that. The heat will cause many changes to the bones. Some bones will burn hotter than others due to how close they are to fatty tissue. For example, the bones in the hands and the Mine
1: feet. Mine would burn. <laughs>
2: Not your hands and feet because um, they don't burn as high of a heat because there is hardly any fat in those areas. Stop it.
1: Do you see my hand?
2: The, no, they you know not. Do you not. see
1: my hand? Stop. Oh, I just hit the Charity just punched it with hers. Just
2: stop. Bones will go through four stages when burned. The first stage is dehydration. Any water surrounding the bones will be dissolved from the heat. The next stage is decomposition. All the collagen of the bone is lost. Inversions happen next. This is when changes to the inorganic mineral part of the bone, the carbonates, take place. I sound so wicked smart. Where did this. you find this again? Um, hold on.
1: No, who 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 wrote this for you? You didn't say your your friend's name this time.
2: Well, because I didn't go directly to Miss Wiki.
1: Oh, this was from an
2: actual page I found. Oh,
1: I thought you went to your your friend.
2: No, she didn't have
1: it. You know what? Let's take a moment and thank one of our sponsors.
2: And we're back. Delightful. The last change in the bone that is seen is fusion. The crystals from the bone mineral start to kind of melt together. The professor goes on to say that DNA can survive in burn, burn bones, sorry, but may not be as potent. This is very interesting to me. I never knew that even when a body is cremated, there are still bones that need to be ground down into dust. This information makes it even more strange that the firemen were unable to find any leftover bones of the children caught in the Sada family fire. Like, I don't understand. Right? They should have been able to find at least one or two bones.
1: Yeah, that's odd.
2: It's weird. So let's continue with the sad Christmas Eve story. Fire Chief Morris told George to leave the crumpled house alone so that the fire marshal's office could do a full investigation to figure out how the fire was started and to maybe find some remains so the family could put their loved ones to rest. George and Jenny couldn't bear to look at the rubble that was left of their family home with the remaining of their deceased children in it. So George used a bulldozer and covered what was left of the home with dirt in hopes of growing a garden in, the support in, in that very spot in remembrance of his children. In the meantime, the coroner held a judicial inquiry to determine the cause of the fire. It was determined that the fire was caused by faulty wiring and deemed accidental. Sitting on the jury Mm. was a man that had previously threatened George for anti Mussolini remarks or remarks against the fascist party. This man was a traveling salesman that came by the Sauter's house and was met by George. He tried to sell him life insurance and became irate after George's comments. The man threatened to burn down George's house with his children inside. So that's interesting. And he's on the jury. On the jury? That says, hey, it was an accident. Not long after the horrific fire, in hindsight, the family began to question why the fire took place and the investigation of it. One of the biggest questions was why the Christmas light stayed on if the fire was due to an electrical malfunction, which that is very strange. Yep. They also ended up finding the missing ladder. It had been moved 75 feet away from where it had, lit, had been, always been stored. Now, that's really weird. That is odd. They then discovered that the phone line hadn't been burned, but cut before the fire had even started. Mm -hmm. An unknown man was arrested in the aftermath as he was seen by a neighbor stealing from the family's property. The man said he was the one that cut the phone lines. There was no no existence of this suspect and there is no reason why he would want to cut the phone lines, even if he thought they were the power lines when he was only stealing from the property itself. So he was only stealing from the property. Why would he want to risk waking them up? Yeah, right. So that was, that's shady too.
1: Seems like a lot of interesting little tidbits. It just added to the confusion here.
2: and the suspicions. As time went on, Jenny became more and more confused as to why none of the children's remains were found. Apparently there were appliances that were found that were partially intact along with pieces of the tin roof. So that's really weird. And in some places I read that she actually took bones and burnt them herself. To see? To see. This poor family. Oh my God. Yeah,
1: this is horrible.
2: There was another fire, very similar, around the same time, and Jenny read about it in the paper. She couldn't understand why that family's remains were found and her family's remains were not found.
1: Yeah, I, I get it.
2: George firmly believed that someone messed with his trucks so that he wouldn't, so that they wouldn't work that night. Some say, however, that George and his sons could have easily flooded the engines while panicking. I mean, there's always things you could say, you know. What about the ladder, though. Exactly, and remember the strange call from the woman that came in early the thunk in the morning. On the roof. Yep. The day of the fire, the Sauders believed that that call must have been connect- connected as well. The police did allegedly track down the said woman who made the call, and she stated that she did have the wrong number.
1: Hmm. So, see, in my mind, what makes me thinking is did somebody use a ladder, to steal the kids? Well, listen. Or did the kids do it themselves? Like, there's a lot in my head that's going on.
2: I don't know how intently the investigators investigated this woman or the call, or if they simply took her word for it. Springtime, the year of the fire, the Sodders were successful in planting the garden where their house once was to memorialize the children that were no longer with them. Jenny was in it for the long haul. She planned to keep the garden blooming for the duration of her life. Still confused about the reasoning for the for the fire, Jenny and George thought back to beforehand. They remembered the angry salesman, the man that vowed to burn down the house after being offended by George's comments in October. The they also recounted a man appearing at their home in the fall of 1945 asking about work. They remember the man walking to the back of the house and pointing to the two fuse boxes saying, this is going to cause a fire someday. George remembers this comment as a strange one because he had just recently had the boxes rewired. Okay, that, this is some weird stuff, yeah. right? The remainder of the family also remembered a car driving by the house more than once before Christmas, staring at the younger children. Were these all coincidences or was the family wishful thinking that the lost children could still be alive somewhere? George and Jenny decided to come up with their own narrative. They believed that the house was set aflame on purpose, arson. They also believed that their children were still alive, but taken, taken by the Sicilian mafia due to the comments George made, George made to the salesman about Benito Mussolini and the fascist Italy. By 1946, a bus driver came forward saying he had passed by the solder home late Christmas Eve, 1945, and had seen people throwing, quote, balls of fire at the house. This is weird, too, because now it's a year later. Yeah. This led George and Jenny to believe that the fire must have been started on the roof with the loud noise and rolling sound. George believed it was some sort of bomb. A woman who had watched the fire from the side of the road said she had witnessed the people responsible watching the house burning down from a car. Another woman that worked at a local rest stop claimed she may have served may have served the carful and said it had Florida plates. By 1947, the Sodders were desperate for help with their theory. They contacted the FBI to see if they would help with an investigation into the kidnapping of their children. Edgar Hoover, director of the FBI at the time, responded saying, "Although I would like to be of service, no matter Related, the matter related appears to be of local character and does not come within the investigation, investigative jurisdiction of this bureau. The director said, "That's kind of a nice way of saying we don't." Yeah, we don't care. Not that we don't care, but we believe that they burned the fire, and there's no, there's no investigation. We like, we're not, we can't waste our manpower on this.
1: Our stuff's more important.
2: The director did say that if the Fayetteville police in the fire departments wanted assistance. They could reach out, and of course, the departments never reached out. Sounds like they just wanted the case closed. Yeah, the Saunders didn't stop though Something Mark. doesn't
1: seem right here.
2: The next, then, their next step was to reach out to a private investigator from the next town over. The PI was able to find out that the salesman that had threatened George had been on the jury that decided the fire was accidental. I wonder why he's the only one who could figure that out. <laughs> He also heard, the, right? He, he needed a PI to tell him that. He also heard that there were rumors that the fire chief found a heart at the scene and put it in a metal box and buried it. Chief Morris had told his minister about the heart. George and the PI confronted him and he showed them where he had buried the quote unquote heart. When the coroner examined the heart, it was confirmed that it was beef liver and had never been near a fire. Morris confessed that he had buried the box, hoping the Sauters would find it and would feel closure, believing their children really did die in the fire. So, this sounds like
1: he doesn't even think it.
2: Either that, or he felt it's such a small community that he felt such sorrow for this family that can't get over the fact that they're, that he just thought maybe. If I don't they, know
1: why we just don't go and completely go through that site again. Cause bone fragments would still be there.
2: George convinced Washington, D.C. pathologist Oscar Hunter to search through the dirt at the scene, which is what you just said. Yeah. This poor family, such emotional torture. I can't imagine. Oscar did find human bone fragments. The fragment was sent out to be examined. The bones were said to be from a child between the ages of 16 and 22. The oldest soldered child left in the, in the house was 14. So it was determined that the bones found were not exposed to fire and that they were from a local cemetery. So... Who knows how those bones got there? Did someone place them there? That is going an I don't on? know. It's the most confusing story. It is not known how the bone fragments got there. Did Chief Morris move them? And if so, why go to so much trouble to try and prove that the children were burned in the fire? Did he really feel such sorrow for the family or did he have alternative motives? Right? I don't know. The investigation attracted the attention of many. The West Virginia legislature held two hearings about the case in 1950. So now we're in 1950. This is sad. After the hearings, governor at the time, Okey L. Patterson and state police superintendent W.E. Bouchette told the Saunders that the case was hopeless and closed it at, at the state level. So they're trying to get help from people. It's been five years. Nobody's everyone's like, dude, they died in the fire. The FBI showed interest at that time, thinking there could be po- possibility, there could be a possibility of interstate kidnapping. They investigated for two full years, but dropped the last ditch attempt with no leads. So the, the FBI did eventually get involved. Hmm. I don't know if it was just to appease them, or I don't know. Kind
1: of sounds that way.
2: The Saunders still refused to give up hope, and in 1952, so now we're what seven years out. They printed up flyers with the children's pictures, offering a. F- at first a $5000 reward for information and then What year was that? 1952.
1: That is a lot of money back then.
2: And then upped the reward to
1: $10,000. Holy crap.
2: Yep. They even put a billboard billboard up where the house once stood and one along Route 60. The billboards brought in many so-called leads. One woman who ran a hotel said she saw the children about a week after the fire. She said that they came in late at night with a couple that looked Italian but left early the next morning. Her story wasn't found credible by investigators. This is when it gets really dicey. Are people responding because they really want to help or do they just want the money for the reward or five minutes of fame? Because like you said, back then, that's That's
1: a lot of money.
2: God bless George. He responded to each lead in person, no matter how small. None of the leads came to fruition, but the family never gave up hope, holding on to the littlest bit of glimmer that their children might somewhere be alive. In 1968, now we're in 1968, Mark, 23 years after the fire, Jenny received an envelope in the mail. The return address was from Central City, Kentucky. In the envelope was a picture of a young man, and on the back it said, Lewis Sauter, I love my brother, Frankie. Little boys. How sad is that?
1: Yeah. The authorities? People understand. So I just really looked real quick on my friend, Mr. Google. Oh,
2: Mr. Google. Um,
1: That in today's money is $61,578.42. Wow. Wow. The 5,000 was. (gasps) That's what 5,000 was. Wow. That is a life changing. What did a house cost So the $10,000
2: would be double that, right? Yeah. Like $120,000?
1: Let's look this up real quick just so we can put this into perspective. Average house cost in, let's see, in 1950 was $7,354. Wow.
2: So unfortunately, they're getting people who just want money, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. Holy crap. So
2: the authorities did look at this picture that came in the mail with this little note, and they assured the family that this was a cruel joke. But Jenny and George thought that the photo looked exactly like what they imagined Lewis would look like, leading them to believe at least Lewis was still alive. Oh, my God. This is so sad. This story is heartbreaking.
1: When something goes missing, you're reaching for anything at that point.
2: Yep. George had this to say to the Charleston Gazette mail. It's like hitting a rock wall. We can't go any further. Time is running out for us, but we only want to know. If they did die in the fire, we want to be convinced. Otherwise, we want to know what happened to them. Oh, my God. I I feel so sad for this family. August 16th, 1969, George passed away at the age of 73. Jenny and the surviving children continued searching for answers. All except their son John, who thought it was well past time for the family to just accept that the children passed in the fire. So one of the children was like, "We got to stop this. Like you're you're not living life. You're at some
1: point. You're yeah. I get it. I, I get. It. Oh man, this is heartbreaking. It I is get heartbreaking. both sides because at some point, if you're not moving forward, I you're know. moving back. Let's I know. be
2: honest. I know. Jenny stayed in the home after George's death and wore black, continuing to take care of the garden. That that just picture in my mind is heartbreaking jenny passed away on february 15th 1989 at the age of 85 The poor woman passed away still not knowing the fate of her children or not believing the fate of her children only after their mother's passing did the remaining solder children move the billboards so they waited that was nice of them to wait till she passed and um then removed the billboards
1: that's crazy
2: talk about a family's love though right most of the people that have gone over this case over the years have concluded that the children really did pass that Christmas Eve during the fire. With all the confusion and unsettling unanswered questions surrounding this case, many believe it to be an unsolved mystery and it is still to this day considered a cold case. And the responsible party is believed to be the Sicilian mafia. What do you think?
1: I think it's so obviously I always start thinking weird stuff, of but. Course. There's too many weird coincidences yeah. and things that line up and happen. And I'm sorry, people don't come into my house and say, oh, this place is going to burn down." Right? You know, that doesn't happen. Right? What are these noises on the roof? Like, I don't know. Why is the ladder gone? Things don't add I think, up.
2: I think someone definitely started the fire because it was proven that the um, that the phone cord was cut beforehand, and then that no- noise on the roof, yep. and the fact that the ladder was moved. The work trucks, I could see it going either way. I could see them flooding it because they're in a panic.
1: 1950s automobiles didn't right. start really, really good. And those are s- probably not 1950s because this was 1950s.
2: Right. So I could see that possibly ha- being a coincidence or somebody could have done something. But I think that in the fact that they found
1: nothing. That's the part that I keep going back to.
2: They found nothing. I mean, you know, you, you were a firefighter. You know. Yeah. Like, when I read all about that, I was like, wow.
1: Something just, doesn't add up. Yeah. I, I would think they would either find something or, but enough time has gone on now where, uh, how do you say it? Things would have maybe revealed themselves at this point.
2: Well, it wasn't just one kid. Here are the names of the solder children that were lost, for lack of a better word, in the fire. Maurice, who was 14 at the time. Martha Lee, who was twelve at the time, Lewis, ten at the time, Jenny Irene, eight at the time, and Betty Dolly, who was six at the time.
1: That's horrible.
2: That's five. One, two, three, four, five children. You can't tell me no remains at all were found. And what is with those other bones that came from a local cemetery yeah. that was like that's and why and why was the chief acting kind of shady? I'm not saying I don't know. The whole thing was just weird. Like couldn't did people get, get paid because
1: he couldn't drive the fire truck. And then he
2: buried the liver and said it was a heart. The what? The liver. Sorry. The liver.
1: Okay. I was like, whoa, that's weird.
2: The liver. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Did, the did liver. he deliver?
1: I don't know. All did right, they have delivery back it.
2: then? I corrected myself. The liver. Now, there's too many
1: things that are odd in this to right? say it's just as straightforward as it is. I, I get know. that sometimes the easiest answer is the right answer, but- I don't so think what's funny
2: either. is when i first when I first started looking into this, I basically was going to do a montage of like smaller cases like I do sometimes that yep. happened at Christmas time, which I might end up doing
1: and this turned into a case because
2: case. I was like, it turned into a case case because I was like, no, 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 this is just not cut and dry. We need to like really talk about this case and find out what the heck's going on.
1: How does the ladder just i in my head, that's what I'm thinking. How does that ladder end up so far away? so
2: far away?
1: Here's a, did, I don't know. I don't even know if I want to speculate this. Did some, did the, did dad do something?
2: I don't think so because I think, I don't think so because he, he seemed extremely like he he went to great lengths to.
1: Was there, I I need to know the surviving children. How yeah. old were they? Were they younger or older?
2: Well, uh, well there was the, the baby
1: who. Yeah. So that's, they're young.
2: They're, they're young. I mean, they were the older ones, the 22-year-old and the 16-year-old, I believe. Boys. See, in my
1: head, I don't know. I'm not saying, like, I, I'm spec- speculating.
2: Right, because that's all we can do because we don't know.
1: Did somebody in the family do something? Maybe they thought there was too many of them. Or Maybe. Some, something just doesn't add up here. Something the, is not.
2: I, I firmly. Well. Come up right. Besides the point that not, no children's bones were found. To me, this was a definitely a case of foul play. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think that they should have said it was
1: They were really quick to electrical. close the books on that.
2: Right. It definitely was foul play. I'm sorry. There were too many weird things that went on.
1: I want to know what you guys think. Let us know. Let case us Watch know. Crime Creep Group on Facebook. Let us know. All right. Well, we'll see you on the next one. Bye, guys. See you later.